Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. Today's gospel is very appropriate as we are one week away from entering into Holy Week. Now notice how the gospel begins. Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, but early in the morning he arrived in the temple area. The Mount of Olives is essentially Gethsemane. Jesus is exactly where God the Father wants him to be. His arrest is imminent. It's maybe just a few days away, and yet he's exactly where he should be. He's fulfilling the will of the Father. Now also note, too, it's early in the morning. Jesus is in the temple praying. Now this is a typical thing in the day in the life of Christ. You see this throughout the Gospels. Jesus getting up early in the morning, going to a deserted place and praying to the Father. Now prayer for Jesus was indispensable. He had to do it every day. He had to maintain that connection to the Father. Well, so too must we. We have to be people of prayer. And so we must recognize how important prayer is in our daily lives. We have to keep working at it. You know, it's a good spiritual exercise, especially in the morning. You know, maybe we're an early riser. Well, in the morning, you know, allow prayer to be an essential part of beginning our day. Now, notice the two of the people in the gospel. It said, that the people started coming to him, and he sat down and taught them. Well, that's very interesting. Here it is in the morning. And the people, they don't go to the marketplace to buy food for the day. They don't go to the well to get water for the day. They don't go to work. Instead, they go to where Jesus is, and they listen to the word of God spoken to them. Well, essentially, they're praying. Well, that's a great spiritual exercise. You know, if we haven't begun it, we should. You know, allow the start of our day to begin with prayer. You know, I think I've told you that story about John Paul II at one of his world youth rallies. A teenager came up to him and asked, he said, Your Holiness, what must I do to strengthen my prayer life? He said immediately, take the time. It's that simple. Take the time. Well, we have to take the time. We can't afford not to. You know, it's very easy, and we can be very creative with it. Maybe we're commuting to work. We're in the car all alone. So turn the radio off, as well as your phone off, and simply pray to God. Or maybe you're running errands during the day. Again, you're all alone in the car. Well, that's a perfect opportunity for you to pray. And so it should be part of our life. Now, the Pharisees bring this woman who is caught in adultery to Jesus. Now, they have no interest in this woman or her fate. Essentially, they're using the law, the Torah, as well as what she did, to accuse Jesus of a crime so that they can arrest him and execute him. You know, the Pharisees have done this before. Remember the story of the temple tax? You know, they come and they say to Jesus, should we pay the temple tax as tribute to Caesar? 
Now, it seems like they boxed him in. No matter how he answers, it would be wrong. If he said yes to pay the tax, well, then he's not a good patriot, a good Jew. If he says, no, we shouldn't pay the tax, well, then he's an agitator. He's an enemy of the state of Rome. Well, the same thing holds true here. You know, they asked Jesus that question. Now, in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman that's caught in adultery. So what do you say? And it says they tested him so they could have a charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and began to write on the ground with his finger. Then he continued asking him and he straightened up. And he said, let the one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Now again, they are using this woman. Using this woman to try and trump up a charge against Jesus. And they're relentless in it. Now, if Jesus were to say, yes, we should stone this woman, then the Pharisees would immediately run to the Roman soldiers and say to them that Jesus committed a crime. Why? Because stoning is considered a capital punishment, and only Romans were permitted to carry out capital punishment. Jews were not given that permission. If he were to say, no, we shouldn't stone this woman, then he would discredit himself. He would be a false messiah. He would contradict the very law that Moses taught the Jews. So it seems, again, the Pharisees have Jesus in a tight trap. Now notice what Jesus does. It says he bends down and he begins to write in the dirt with his finger. Now, this has perplexed scripture scholars for centuries on end. So many theologians and scholars have debated exactly what Jesus wrote in the ground. Some say maybe scripture passages. Some say the sin of the Pharisees itself. Well, we don't know. It's open to wide speculation. What I could say is, personally, Jesus was doodling. He was doodling. You know, we all do it. Jesus had a human nature. He was human. You know, we as humans, we do that ourselves. Maybe we're on a boring phone conversation, or maybe we're just simply bored watching TV. We start to doodle, don't we? I think in Jesus' infinite wisdom, he knows what the Pharisees were trying to do. And based upon their feeble tricks to trap him, he's bored. He's absolutely bored. Now notice what he says. You know, let the one among you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Well, basically, he's now eluded the trap in a very cunning way. He doesn't condone or authorize the stoning, that he would incriminate himself, but he doesn't contradict Mosaic law. He supports the teaching of Moses. And so, in a genius way, he turns the tables on the Pharisees. Now, it's important to recognize, essentially, these Pharisees started with what? Bringing this woman caught in adultery to Jesus. What were their actions? Well, this woman is a sinner, and yet we're not. We're holier than thou. And yet, how does it end with Jesus proving that they are all sinners? They're all guilty of that. In fact, you could say, by them walking away, it's a public acknowledgement of their own sinfulness. Now, this is a very powerful lesson for us all. Judgment. You know, judgment is a very lethal thing to do. It's very destructive. And yet, it's so easy for us to look at other people and judge them. You know, we recognize, you know, people's decisions, how they live their lives, their actions, and we say, oh, they're terrible people. Uh, This person is making a terrible decision. Well, we don't know. We don't know what they're going through in their life. We don't know their, their personal challenges that they're facing. And so we just don't know. 
It's whole, it's basically the matter of perception and reality. How we perceive people and what they say or do or their actions, the way they live their life, is nine times out of ten essentially different from reality. Our perception of people is far, far different from what is really and true. Therefore, we have to resist or not fall into that temptation. We have to realize that judgment, even gossiping, rumors, innuendo, can be a very destructive force in people's lives, in even communities. You know, rumors, innuendo, judgment can divide communities, even Christian communities and churches. We have to realize that when we judge a person, we don't do them any good, especially ourselves. You know, I think I gave you that story before about my professor in the seminary in which I attended. Now, what you have to realize, seminary life is hard. You know, we have a large group of men confined together morning, noon, and night. They eat together, they study together, they pray together. Well, basically, it can possibly nurture an environment in which a lot of gossiping can perhaps manifest itself from time to time. And it did where I went to seminary. I'll never forget, it got to a point where it was at a fever pitch, such that you couldn't even go into the cafeteria without people backbiting and gossiping about each other. Well, one of my professors, who was my spiritual director, I remember at one of the classes, he stopped the class early, about five minutes before we were about to conclude. And he talked about it. And he told all of us in the classroom, he said, you know, I recognize that gossiping right now is at a fevered pitch. He said, this has got to stop. He said, you know, if you want to gossip or if you want to judge other people, then do it. But you better be prepared to help them. You better prepare to do whatever you can to help them, to make those people change and be better people. But if you're not willing to help them, if you're not willing to lift a finger to make them a better person, then you keep your mouth shut. Because gossiping and judgment does no one any good, especially a community. Now, what was interesting, the whole room was quiet. In fact, you could hear that proverbial pin drop. And I'll never forget that. You know, it's almost like it happened yesterday. And I live my life by that. You know, there was a powerful spiritual lesson for us all. And that's how destructive judgment can be. And that's what's going on in the gospel. Now notice, at the very end, there's that touching scene. The woman is standing in front of Jesus all alone. And he says to her, Woman, where are they? Have you not been condemned? She answered, There is no one here, sir. Jesus then said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, do not sin anymore. Well, that's a great lesson for us all. When we seek God's infinite mercy and forgiveness, he gives it to us immediately. In fact, I would always say, when we seek God's mercy and forgiveness, our God is a God that has a very short mind. He's very short-minded. He doesn't want to remember the past, not at all. Instead, he wants us to look to the future. And see, that's what he does for the woman. He immediately forgives her past, but then he repositions her to look out into the future. And the future is a life of holiness. And that's what God does for us. When we go to him, begging for mercy and forgiveness, he immediately forgives us and forgets our past. But then he repositions us, just like this woman. He repositions us for us to look out into the future 
and the challenge to live a good and holy life, to leave those sins behind. And so I think that's a powerful lesson for us all. Again, strongly encourage you, take some time this week. Reread this gospel. You can't afford not to. This gospel helps us to prepare for next week, which is Palm Sunday, the very beginning of Holy Week, the holiest of all the weeks of our liturgical year. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.